Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. This is a special episode as our chief sports writer, Lee Ryder, caught up with former Newcastle United goalkeeper Shaka Hislop. Plenty was discussed, but primarily Shaka Hislop was promoting the campaign of show racism, the red card, which marked its 25th anniversary earlier this month. Shaka talks about some really harrowing experiences that he uh, went through when he first came into the Premier League, when he first moved to Newcastle. Really empowering listen. And then the pair got into discussing Carl Darlow, Martin Debrafka, Steve Bruce, the Newcastle United takeover and losing the title in the 95-96 season, which Shaka Hislop admits still hurts to this day. This is a really good listen, really enjoyable going down memory lane with Shaka and reliving some of them great memories, some of them great nights of the entertainer's era. But more importantly, allowing Shaka to re-emphasise that there is no place in society, let alone football, for racism and that we should indeed show racism the red card. Sit back and enjoy. Hi, Shaka. First and foremost, can you just re- refresh everybody about about the campaign um, and, and and where we are with it and where we've been with it in 2020? Yeah. So um, as the, the campaign started just after I, I first joined Newcastle United, so some 25 years ago, um, and, and during the course of that, you know, it, it started with. Uh, myself and, and any of the other players going to schools and, and just talking about our own experiences uh, around racism, either what we faced and had to endure, um, or you know our, our understandings of it. You know, my, my first I remember the first school visit was was myself and and John Beresford, and I'm you know talking about my own experiences as say growing up in Toronto, Tobago, and then going to university in the US and playing then playing football in England. And John about you know his time growing up in Sheffield as a Sheffield United fan, um, and, and it resonated, you know, and, and it, it resonated with who we were speaking to. I, I think it was also good for us as, as individuals and, and and as teammates to to have some of those discussions and, and share some of those experiences. Um, over the course of twenty five years now, league, you know, we we've um, educated over eight hundred thousand young people, the length and breadth of, of of Britain um, and educated, meaning they've had at least a, a full day's anti-racism training. Um, and, and we hope that that serves us as a foundation for for the next generation and their understandings of of, of racism, its its roots and, and how it continues to, to affect um, people today, people, people of color yeah. today, uh, yeah. and what they can do to, to, to be anti-racist, what they can do um, for the next generation to to realise the equality that I think we all we all aspire to. Yeah, I mean education being the the key word. I mean we we can we we get it through the, the schools. Um, that that's mm. a good good foundation for it. But it also has to start at home as well, doesn't it, with the parents? Of course it does. You know, I, I think it's important that um, 
parents have these have these discussions with their kids and when the kids ask questions they are as as honest and as forthright as as they can be with them i think that also serves to have educating the parents in in terms of um how 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 they see the issues and understanding how their children see see those issues and how they speak about it because another big aspect to this is how parents um speak uh, on these issues and and uh, around whether it's it's you know taking the knee before games or or some of the um Uh, law enforcement and injustices that that we see how how they communicate um from from their perspective because our kids our kids learn so much from from us and and from our behavior so that's that is also a big part of 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 what we do and and how we we like to see our, our, our messaging presented not just by teachers but also by by those parents yeah and obviously the players started after the lockdown in the premier league players started to take the knee um and they've continued doing that and that that's a, a very strong and powerful message still it is listen and there's also been a lot of debate about what what needs to be done and and whether it it's become um a, a token effort in in our token show in in taking the knee um listen i i firmly believe especially given the way that we've done with, with young kids over the years that players need to continue taking the knee continue to to having those those shows because it what it, it 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 provides opportunity for kids in seeing that to speak to their parents about the issues ask why a player is taking the knee why does it continue um and and this week with with fans being let back into stadiums it it may provide the opportunity for for children to, to further ask why are people booing and for football in its entirety be it the players or the administ or, or the administrations or, or club CEOs um to address those to, to address that that idiotic response um and, and in a way that's meaningful to all and continues to to move what is a human rights issue forward um so i i firmly believe in 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 what continues to happen around that as as disappointing as as it is that we are still having these same conversations in 2020 it's important that we address these issues head on whether they're uncomfortable or or not you know we we have to in in, in an effort to, to recognize that equality we have to deal with these issues and and what a better time to have it than in 2020 where so much has been um put put in front of us to to, to deal with and and we have to be prepared to to to, to confront it I mean how disappointed were you when you seen those images being broadcast from Millwall at the weekend against Derby County it was uh, it was very disheartening in terms of what it, it, it was it, it was heartbreaking but but then there I see equal measure unsurprising um because I I firmly believe that, that so many people see racial equality as um Or, or or maybe racial inequality so many people see this see racial inequality as a fabric of today's society and what does that say about england where so many or or, or let, let's great britain where so many believe that inequalities are a fabric of who that country is and 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 you know for for, for all that that country has endured 
um, to, to move to now, the world wars that it's fought, and the reasons that that wars, wars were fought, and people have lost their lives in, in that quest for equality, to now see people, those people take, people booing that, that, that continued push for, for equality is, is it's, it's depressing on, on, on so many levels. On the other hand, it, it's provided further, uh, a further looking glass into, into that fabric and into that makeup and force the authorities to confront those issues head on. You can't just, uh, as I was saying a few weeks ago, you can't have players take the knee and then Greg Clark go into a, a, a private Zoom meeting and use the kind of language that, that he does. That's damaging. Yeah. Clubs know, and, and I, I, will, I, I saw the statement put out by, by the Colchester CEO on, on behalf, uh, Colchester chairman, excuse me, uh, on behalf of the club, given that um, they heard some, some booing in, in, in their stadium over the, on, the, uh, on the weekend as well. And that is, is the kind of response that I, you have to applaud and, and moves these issues forward, moves them forward as a, as, as a, as a discussion uh, and moves, moves us as, as a people forward. You see, the, the, uh, I was also saw the, state, the uh, message that Liverpool Football Club put up on the, on the side of, of their stadium, inside of Anfield. That is the kind of shows of support, I think, that make a meaningful difference and continue to move the issues and the discussions forward. Yeah. And, and on Ferdinand, I don't know if you've, you've seen much of the documentary that he's, he's, uh, he's put together. And he was in it, he was saying he was afraid to come out and sort of challenge what, what was going on. I mean, there was a court case going on, but he was worried about his job and his career prospects. I mean, that, that can't continue going forward? No, it, it can't. And and it, it, it simply can't. And, and listen, I, I, I played with Anton Friedman, uh, my last spell at West Ham. Um, I, I know, obviously I know his, his older brother, Rio, during my first spell at West Ham, know his parents. And, and I, 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 I cannot applaud Anthony enough for, for the stand that, that he took. And speaking his truth, it, it was tough. It was tough at the time to have to deal with it. And, and I can only imagine what he had to endure and how much him and his family went through in, in making that stand. Um, the, the challenges to his career, how it affected Rio's career with, with the England national team, how it would have affected his mother, um, who's one of the greatest people I've, I've ever met, um, and, and, and their father as well. You know, it, it's it, incidents and taking stands such as uh, such as. Anton did an incident in being a victim of racist abuse and then taking the stand that he did in, in forcing the issue and there being a court case has such a long lasting and telling impact on so many people, mm -hmm. on the victims of, of this abuse. And whereas the perpetrators of, of, of that abuse seem to go about their business unscathed. I was certainly relatively un unscathed. So I, I credit Anton for, for what he did at the time, the stand that he took. I credit the entire Ferdinand family for, for their support of him. And now to Anton to making this documentary, for speaking his truth, because it will, it will impact, it will have a positive impact on so many others. This is not about Anton Ferdinand anymore. Um, this is not about the Ferdinand family. This is about Anton, um, again, taking a tough and uncomfortable step 
in an effort to impact so many others. And, and that kind of selfless act, I, I, I think you, you have to applaud. Yeah. I mean, going back to when you first signed for Newcastle, I mean, I've seen you mentioned the petrol station incident. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot has changed in Newcastle in that sort of quarter of a century. But how much do you think it was important to get that message out there very early on when you were there? What the, to the city that you found? Like this, yeah, listen, I, I, that incident, uh, um, uh, apart, I thoroughly enjoyed my time in the Northeast um, because I, I feel people embraced who I was, people embraced the messages that I and, and the rest of the team were, were, were trying to, to, to spread to, to, to the Northeast, the, the messages of unity. Um, I, I, we talk about education and I, I say I, I, I'm the proud owner of two university degrees, but I could not get a, a better education than the one I got in, in that dressing room at St. James's Park. Where else can a young man from, from Trinidad and Tobago sit five feet away from somebody from Newcastle, somebody from, from Sunderland playing for Newcastle, somebody from London in, in uh, Rob Lee, somebody from Belgium, Philippe Albert, from Colombia, Faustino Spria, from Georgia, Timurik Katsbaya, from Greece, and, and Nikos Davizas. Where else can, can I sit and speak with these people about their own lives, their own upbringings, their own uh, exposures and, and experiences around, around racism. And then we take the field on, on, on a Saturday. And when, uh, when I'm playing well, I know I, I have to kind of carry, carry the burden for others who maybe aren't having a good day. and know full well that when I'm not having a good day, when things aren't going well for me, I can rely on, on, on those same people to uplift me uh, and, and carry my, my own burdens. And when it goes right, we celebrate together. Whether you play well or not, when, it, when, we, when we win, we celebrate together. When you, whether you play well or not, when you lose, we work on, 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 on putting a, a lot of those things right. There, there, there's no stronger message um, in life that, than that, uh, around equality around um, the essence of teamwork and, and uplifting each other. Um, that, that for me is, is the greatest lesson I've, I've learned um, during my time in the New Northeast, during my, my time as, as an adult. And yes, things have changed, but at, at the same time, um, complacency can be our greatest enemy. Um, and, and when things are going well, when, when um, the, the city can, can lead by our example, we have to be an example to others. And when things don't, we, we have to hold ourselves uh, accountable similarly. Yeah. Uh, your, your sporting experience at Newcastle in terms of you, you came so close to winning the title. Um, how do you re- look back on that, that sort of experience of coming so close 25 years mm. on? Well, it, was, it, still, it still hurts. I'll be honest with you, Lee. You know, um, it, it still hurts knowing... You know, knowing everything that went on and, and how close we came and the fine margins. And I put it down to, to one game at home to Manchester United. And you can go even further and put it down to one player. I thought Peter Schmeichel, that was the best goalkeeping display I, I'd, I'd ever seen with, with, with my own eyes. And, and that is as well denied us, denied us the title. Um, but at the same time, I also think it, it, it showed that when there's disappointment, as opposed to kind of look backwards, you have to you have to build on it, and and um, 
and, and address some of those issues as opposed to maybe rip, ripping up the playbook. And I, I, I thought that's kind of what Newcastle did um, in, in the immediate week of, of that 95-96 season. Um, you know, uh, I, 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 especially now, looking back um, on the game as a whole, I, I now work with, with ESPN and, and, uh, as an analyst and, and you see how many, how many teams come close and are able to, to respond to that in, in, building, in building, you know, winning teams. Um, Liverpool lost the title by by a point, and then the following season they, they win their first Premier League uh, their first Premier League title. Um, they they lose in the Champions League final to, to Real Madrid. The following year they they go on and and win it. City can tell a similar story around their their own um, uh, league championships after after the their, their newfound investment. But I, I just felt at Newcastle in the immediate week the the club wanted to, to float on the stock market in an effort to, to keep a pace with, with Manchester United, who'd done similarly a, a couple of years ago. And the fallout of that um, public offering was, was Kevin Keegan uh, eventually walked away. Uh, I, I, and, and with good reason, I, I, I dare I say. I, I felt he was being undermined from, from within the club and, and walked away with, with good reason. And, and that, for me, cost us uh, a, a real challenge at, at the title. In, in, in the immediate future. And I know 96-97, we actually finished second again. But that was more due to, to, to Liverpool's own capitulation. Liverpool were top of the table and they kind of fell away at the end and, and allowed Manchester United to, to put them in the last week or two weeks and, and allowed us to, to leapfrog them in, in, into second. Um, so I think that maybe, you know, that, that finish maybe didn't really reflect um, that, that season on, on its whole. And I, I don't think the, the club, uh, well, the club certainly hasn't been able to mount a, a credible title challenge ever since. Uh, and I, I put it down to that, not not building on on that that near miss, as other, others have done since. Kenny Daglish come in and he made a lot of changes, didn't he? Um, what, how mm. how look back on that? I mean, he he almost dismantled a, a squash buckling attacking team, didn't he? Yeah, listen, new managers come in, you know, they the, the there's going to be a changes of, of philosophy. There's going to be a changes of, of, of faces. You know, you kind of know and expect that when when you're in the game. You know, regardless of, of the successes that we had in in, um, in in the two seasons previous, you knew that that, that there was going to be a lot of change. Let's Ferdinand moved on. David Ginola moved on. Um, I eventually came to to the end of my contract and, and moved on uh, myself. It's part and parcel, you know, and I'm, I'm not here, I, I don't think it's my place to, to kind of criticise that. The club made a decision, albeit I, I felt they were wrong in, in undermining Kevin Keegan. They made a decision on the way forward, given Kenny's own experiences in, in the game, both as a player and in particular uh, as, as a manager. It's, at the time, it, it, seemed, it seemed the right one. Um, but it just, like you say, it was just too many changes, too quickly, too far departure from from uh, what Kevin Keegan had had built going forward, you know, and, and that for me was 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 telling. I mean, did did you want to leave the club at that point, or would you have happily stayed for longer? Well, Shea Given was brought in, and I knew that Shea was was going to be Kenny's preferred number one. Understandably, yeah. I, I I could probably say um, she was Newcastle's best, in my mind, best ever goalkeeper. Um, 
So I, I have no qualms about that. But you know, I was coming to the end of my contract. I, I figured I'd be uh, second in, in, in the pecking order be, behind Shea. Um, the Bosman ruling had, had just come into play. Um, uh, so I, I, you know, I wanted to look for, for an opportunity. And if it meant, if it meant, you know, moving on from a club and a, and a city that had come to know and, and love so much, then so be it. You know, it's a short, short professional career. And I, I wanted to, I wanted to play games and, and, um, that's what I found on Donald West now. Yeah. And when you, obviously you're doing your work for ESPN now, how do you, Look at where Newcastle United are now as a club. We've got the, the takeover that collapsed. We've got a manager who's battling to, to win popularity with, with supporters. The expectations, perhaps, from the 90s mm. are still there in some ways. I don't think fans expect to win things, but they like to see the team play in a certain style. So what, what, what do you make of it all? It's quite a complicated thing, isn't it, really? Yeah, it is. And, and you're right to point out there's so many different moving parts to this. Um, a, a chairman who's, who's not hugely popular himself, um, takeover bids which seem to come around every year and collapse every year, um, which, which kind of brings this, this full sense of, 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 of change and, and renewed investment because in, in today's game, you, you've got to invest it to, to keep a pace. Um, and then Steve Bruce, who, who, you know what you're getting from him as a manager, but, but again, it's, it's such a, a far departure from um, who Newcastle were in, in in the mid '90s when when we were there, when Kevin Keegan was there, and, and what what the fans want want to see. But at the same time, the club has has, has seen relegation, and and that um, is 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 damaging financially. It, it's hard to recover from. Um, so you you know. Uh, it's a, it's a little bit of a balancing act. It, it, it really is. And, and maybe it will continue that way until there, there is new ownership and, and new investment in, in the team. Until then, you know, I'm, I'm going to endure just as, as, as the fans do, um, celebrate the wins when they come, you know, kind of accept the losses when, when, when that happens. Hope that the, the club continues to stay up and, and be on a big, be something like that somebody else is willing to come in, take over, and and really kind of put the money that that I think those those fans deserve. Um, but in, in today's game, as much as we, you make around uh, about the Premier League and the, the finances with it, if you don't have the kind of investment like that the city does and, and um, etc., you you just you're just not going to keep up, and 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 it's it has become it's become tougher for Newcastle to do that. Yeah, just just the last couple of questions now. One of the ones I was going to ask was about at the moment. There's a court battle going on between Mike Ashley and the Premier League, and what he's asking for is transparency in what why the takeover fell through and and what can be done to get it back on track. If indeed that that's going to be possible, so do you sort of support that this the the, the public need to know why this collapsed? Um, I, I guess I, I'll be honest. Lee, this is the first I'm, I'm hearing of this court battle. I, I, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Um, but yeah, yeah. Listen, I, I, I think the fans deserve to know. You know, and uh, at least understand what's yeah. happening behind the scenes. And and looking in from the outside, you you know that this is especially given the kinds of money that 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 are involved. There's so much about it that that we simply may never know and and may never fully understand around how finances work. 
But I, I, I think fans, give, just given the, the continued role that clubs play in their communities, in their cities, um, and that the fans play in, in, in those clubs, they should know. I, I, I am all for total transparency in, in, in these things. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Let people know. Um, yeah. and, and you can confront that uh, accordingly. Yeah. And just finally, the, the goalkeeper who's between the posts at the moment, Carl Dollar, I think he's got um, the most saves in the Premier League, the most in Europe. Um, some mm. people talk about him potentially playing for England. I mean, what have you made of, of his performances? Without him, Newcastle could be uh, a bit further down the table. Yeah, with with all question, I think Dollar's been been outstanding. He he really has. Um, but he's growing, and, and you can see that. I, I think he continues to get better. He's incredibly talented, and, and you see that. Um, but experience, experience, experience gained will, will will do him even better. Whether he's in line for, for an England call up, I'm not sure just yet. I, I think there are others, in all honesty, uh, ahead of him in, in, in the pecking order. Uh, you know, Pope Henderson, um, uh, Pickford. I, I, I still think are, are ahead of him. But but Darlow, given what he's done, and, and I'm sure how we'll continue to grow in the game, I, I, I think he, you know, you, you have Gareth Southgate taking notice. And right now, as a young man, that's all you need. The kind of speculation around it is, is good for his confidence. I hope it doesn't get to his head. Um, but if he, if, he, if he manages that right, I, even that, I, I think, works in, in his benefit. So, He's got a fan here, and I'll be cheering. Brilliant. Oh, that, that's excellent. I think, I think we've covered everything there. So uh, thank you for your time. and uh, No good, problem at all. Good luck with the campaign. For thank you very much. <laughs>